<laughs> okay, so there, there is the thunderstorm still going, and the radar doesn't look like it's going to let up. So, You know, this could be our uh, noir episode. <laughs> <laughs> it was a dark and stormy night for the both of us somehow. <laughs> At the late, late time of 6 o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> oh man <laughs> oh i just I, I can see my sound spike in me laughing and it, it's it's kind of it's just really sharp all right anyway oh, no. <laughs> uh what uh what beer are you drinking man i don't know if this is a repeat but i finally made it over to um uh crap what's that place called oh total wine where they sell golden oh. drack nine thousand. Yes. My you, favorite beer. <laughs> you haven't brought up that you were drinking Golden Drag, but you have brought up that it's your favorite. Oh, okay, good, good. Well, I have it now. So oh, Yes. I just want to give a shout out to Total Wine for being a magical place. <laughs> Hashtag to, to... not a sponsor. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag please be my sponsor. <laughs> uh, I'm, cur- I'm currently drinking a beer called Dirty Bastard, uh, which is a Dutch beer. Uh, it's I would say okay. It's not bad, but I don't think I'll buy it again. It's like a pretty dark beer. It's got um is it the one with the black can with like the the muscular devil looking dude holding the beer stein? Definitely a jacked devil dude, uh, but it's glass bottle, so Oh okay. Scott used to buy our our roommate slash navy buddy. Scott oh, yeah. used to buy the um the cans of those. Oh and, you know, I was okay with it. Yeah. My uh my favorite fact about Scott is his uh, middle name is Michael. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, Scott being his last name, so it's it's Michael Scott. <laughs> <laughs> For people who won't get that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Since we only refer to each other by last names, <laughs> which could make this pretty confusing. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, uh, I I need to call you Alec more, but I, I, I have a bad habit of like, calling people by uh whatever habitually i've called them so first names are outdated <laughs> <laughs> welcome to 1774 <laughs> donnelly <laughs> oh god no you know what I, I prefer carson now it's okay <laughs> yeah maybe we'll slowly slip back into our human forms <laughs> <laughs> where we can call each other by first names <laughs> you know uh one of these one of these days we'll get there hopefully uh Hopefully in four years when we go to Florida together, live our lives. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Sounds like a plan. We'll get a tiny oh, yeah. apartment in downtown Orlando. Uh, one studio for the two of us. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect, yeah. We'll, we'll put we'll put cots on opposite sides of the room. Yeah, we can do bunk beds. Yeah, bunk beds. That works. So much more room for activities. Oh, so much. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> back to our movie podcast. <laughs> yeah, back to the movie podcast where we make more movie references. <laughs> uh, so um, I don't really know what... Um, uh, like where this came from, but mm-hmm. I was just thinking about uh, philosophy as I tend to do a lot. I, I know we're, <laughs> we're we're pretty scientific based. And you're a uh, little did you know you're the reincarnation of a Greek philosopher. <laughs> yeah, I am Socrates. Wait, was he <laughs> Greek? I don't even remember. <laughs> I think so. See, this is how much we know about <laughs> about philosophy. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he was Greek. So philosophy is something that's always interested me. Mm-hmm. I'm no some I'm not some grand philosopher, right? Like I don't have any any philosophical ideas of my own. Um, I just really enjoy the the study of uh, of people's thoughts, their thought mm-hmm. processes. Yeah, um, the study of ideas. Yeah, so I know we're we're pretty scientific based, and um, arguably, uh, philosophy and uh, ethics, the, the like sector. 
mm-hmm. uh, philosophy that I want to talk about today. What uh, could be labeled as a science, but we can get into that a little bit later. Yeah, um, that actually brings me to <laughs> the first quote I wanted to share with you, if you don't mind, yeah, regarding me. that. So uh, us being, you know, more, I would argue, both of us being very scientific kind of men uh i'm actually really excited for this topic because Men's i feel a like strong word <laughs> uh scientific boys <laughs> two, I, uh, two good old sciencey boys <laughs> yeah you know science boys uh i really am excited for this topic because i feel like for once we might differ on um opinions regarding this uh mostly because this is in fact opinion not fact there and this quote is actually from William Shakespeare, which I thought was really interesting. Uh, it's, the quote goes, There is nothing either good or bad, but thinking makes it so. Um, kind of the idea that it's really the opinion of man that ethics is born out of and not so much fact. I see. I see where you're coming from. Um. <clears throat> so there's a few a few breakdowns in ethics that I'm not super familiar with. Um, but a, a few of them either label as like ethics has a certain law to them mm-hmm. where per se in, um, in, uh, it's like never okay to murder someone. Right. So, but, um, so that would include like capital punishment. Right. So in one culture where capital punishment, where the death penalty is a thing is inherently wrong for taking another human's life. But then there's another camp that you're culture culture dictates the ethical law so in one culture in in per se america where the death penalty is an okay thing which is a hotly debated thing i, I don't think that's something we'll get into today <laughs> um, yeah that'd be a pretty hard topic to start yeah with. it's just the strongest and in, in you know most direct uh comparison in one culture right. death penalty is okay so the ethics law in that culture says that that is fine but the ethics law in another culture um would say that it's not okay. It's never okay to take another human's life. And both of those schools of thought are correct. Yeah. And uh, a lot of people would argue, I wouldn't say a lot of people, that's kind of a absolution or absolutist, I suppose. Uh, but people would, some people would argue that culture is the driving factor for ethics. And um, personally, I, I, I kind of lean towards that side that, the culture of a people is really the driving force for an ethics of a people. Yeah. And so I I don't know if I would ever say that anyone's necessarily right or wrong based on Mm -hmm. their culture, but without differing in like differences in culture, we would probably live in a pretty boring world. Right. So I I think, you know, on, on the cusp uh, opinion on that, I'm going to side with the, uh, the cultural ethical law. Son of a gun, Alec! I wanted to, I wanted to have a bit of an argument with you. Oh. <laughs> How dare you! Yeah, no. Um, that actually, so there's a philosophical idea that I would like to share with you. It's called "One Man's Meat," and I think it's a a great title for this. I think it's very fun. I'm kind of scared. <laughs> all right, so you ready? It's a it's a bit of a paragraph, but you ready for it? Oh yeah, I'm I'm totally ready. All right, so one man's meat is. When Darius was king of Persia, he summoned the Greeks who happened to be present at his court and asked them what they would take to eat the dead bodies of their fathers. They replied that they would not do it for any money in the world. Later, in the presence of the same Greeks, 
and through an interpreter so that they could understand what was said, King Darius asked some Indians of the tribe called I'm gonna fucking I'm gonna butcher I have to say I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm gonna butcher this. I think it's called Kalatae. Kalatae. Anyway, so of the tribe Kalatae, who did in fact eat their parents' bodies, what they would take to burn them, as was the Greeks' custom. They uttered a cry of horror and forbade him to mention such a dreadful thing. So this idea that these two cultures had such differing ethics regarding how they would treat their father's remains. Um, but there was no real right or wrong because the Kalatae, I hope I'm saying that right, <laughs> the Kalatae tribe really truly believed that eating their father's bodies was the proper way to dispose of their remains, while the Greeks obviously wanted to burn their father's bodies. So, Oof. <laughs> yeah. That is a lot to take in. Um, but I think it does, uh, you know, it, it goes towards that that argument of the um, cultural ethics, right? Uh, designing the law, um, which I'm about. I guess the qu- real question is, would you eat your father's body? <laughs> uh, depends on how much salt and pineapple you'd eaten beforehand. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> would you brine him first? <laughs> I I feel like that's the proper way of cooking a a good meat. <laughs> sorry dad <laughs> look dad if if you have to go I, I i want you to know that you you have become a good sustenance for me <laughs> yeah look i was so my dad always says already has said he wants to be cremated but there's there's this viking tradition which we have oh. like a like a lineage of vikings in in our family uh okay. of you like you know sending a small ship out to sea with the body on it and setting it on fire so like i'm oh, kind of yeah, yeah. down for that it sounds awesome <laughs> <laughs> you know that would be for for the kind of funerals that we have nowadays, that would be probably one of the most exciting funerals I've <laughs> I've ever been able to uh, to be a part of. Right. I mean, imagine you know you load up a, a small wooden boat with uh, you know a body and a bunch of gasoline and maybe small explosives, and then you shoot a flaming <laughs> arrow at it. Oh, you mean like you could modernize it? You could set up a bunch of tannerite with a rifle. Oh yeah. <laughs> Just... Modern Viking funeral. I feel like that would make me feel a little bit better. Would have missed you, Dad. <laughs> it's just a body at the end of the day like yeah <laughs> sorry um, they, they so take up too really, much space in the ground <laughs> is that is that is that the ethical way to dispose of your father though <laughs> is there an ethical way to dispose of anyone you know that's really the uh the topic of today huh <laughs> i i don't know about body disposal being at the ethical uh dilemma that we're that we're handling here but mm, well i do want to mention that truly my uh <laughs> desire for my remains is either to become a tree you know those like you get a berry and as a as a seed and become a tree or whatever yeah i've seen those uh, yeah or i want to be shot off into space so an alien can find my body but <laughs> that's your <problem. laughs> that's, that sounds extremely expensive <laughs> hey exactly i don't think that one's gonna happen <laughs> no maybe i mean hey you could go to space and then die out there and it'd be more expensive to take you back so then boom you know what, please, hey, uh, Elon Musk, if you're listening, I am willing to, <laughs> I'm willing to be the first space cadaver uh, shot off towards Centurion. <laughs> In hopes that an alien civilization finds you. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I wonder what would happen if you're just, like, floating, just, like, just your body out in space, like. I'm, I'm hoping some sort of Futurama-esque uh, scenario where I can be brought back to life and I end up spending my time with some super advanced race that uh, also ends up going through some really kooky shit. So we're gonna put your head in a um, in a glass jar like Richard Nixon. Oh my God! Yes, please. <laughs> that, that's the dream. <laughs> I mean, it makes sense to me. 
I think yeah, uh, the tree yeah, thing's pretty cool. Yeah, I I think I I don't know. I'd rather either be cremated or uh, your Viking funeral, just like traditional uh, cemeteries, just take up so much space. Yeah, I I drive by a few of them out here in Virginia, and it's I think about like man, these bodies have taken up this space since for like two hundred years, and they're not really going to go anywhere because that'd be very disrespectful to them. Right. Uh, but you still need. All these new people are dying, you know? It's <laughs> People die every day. People Sorry to day. break it to you. Yeah. So apparently back before, um, or like, you know, hundreds of years ago, people used to like make day trips and they do like picnics in cemeteries and, and have like oh. family gatherings and stuff like that. And it used to be like a very lively place, but um, that was before like public parks and national forests and stuff like that. Interesting. Yeah, so there's there's even initiatives to like try to get cemetery uh uh like patronage up. Hmm. Try to get more people to the cemetery. You know, that reminds me, since I had just recently watched the disaster artist, we could go visit Dean Martin's grave. <laughs> we could, we could. Yeah, take a little road trip. I I have um taken an interest in uh um going to see uh like New York and then and then Weehawk in New Jersey. Mm. Um, where all of like the famous like 1800s and, and late 1700s duels took place in New York, like the political oh, yeah. duels, like where Alexander Hamilton was shot and killed. Oh, was in Weehawken, yeah. New Jersey. There's like a monument for him there and everything. Mm-hmm. Only because Hamilton, the the Hamill film, as it is colloquially <laughs> known, okay. uh, on on Disney Plus is one of my favorite things ever. <laughs> oh yeah, I we we actually had talked about that recently, not on a podcast, but just like uh, talking to each other. Yeah, yeah. So uh, our conversations are not only in podcast form. <laughs> <laughs> as much as I would like them to be. <laughs> I mean, we would try. We'd have to edit out a lot of stuff. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> so I guess... Uh, sorry, Mom. <laughs> yeah, sorry, Mom. <laughs> Just don't put this out in the world. <laughs> also, sorry, sorry, Grandma. <laughs> um, we, are, we are Navy men. No, no one says... I curse like a marine. It's I swear like a sailor. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. I, <laughs> I have a short um, in it though, and then we should probably probably get back to the uh, idea of ethics. <laughs> yeah, I've got a few um, dilemmas here for you, but anecdote time. Yes, please. Um, so my mom, she she always talked about how she swore like a sailor, and I was like, okay, mom. You know, she <laughs> she did have a bit of a foul mouth, but it wasn't like shocking to to me. You know, us growing up in the the 21st century it's pretty pretty vulgar honestly yeah um, i was like okay mom <laughs> and then and then i became a a, a sailor and this <laughs> i really just kind of fell into this whole uh swearing thing i've already swore twice twice on this podcast i'm i don't know if you'll have to like dig in and uh, edit them out but wait like, <laughs> i only remember one <laughs> uh-oh <laughs> we have to find that one. <laughs> oh no <laughs> but uh i i really I really realized that I've, I'm starting to have an issue where I, I don't notice myself swearing in front of people that I really shouldn't swear in front of. Um, so sorry, mom. Uh, I've I've actually become a uh, swearing like a sailor. So yeah, it happens to me too. It's just like part of the language. <laughs> yeah, it's it, it comes so naturally, and it's realistically not the not a good thing. But I also don't really care that much, so I just yeah. let it happen. Out of like the hundreds of people that we've ran into, I think I've met like one person. Uh, who is like offended by cursing in the navy? 
Yeah, I think it's hilarious when like a chief comes up and is like, "I, I want, I want to, <laughs> I want to make sure that nobody is offended by this. So let me know if you're offended by swearing." And I'm like, I, I promise, chief, nobody's gonna raise their hand. <laughs> Literally, no one. We get <laughs> we get sworn at all the time. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, so we'll have to we'll have to calm ourselves down. Maybe in in the vein of foul mouth, I'll replace the uh, all the curse words with just duck quacks. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Um, I'm three beers in now, so. Uh, oh no! I got to catch I, up. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, uh, I I I had kind of a headache coming into this one, so I was like, you know what? The solution, alcohol. Yeah, the solution is beer. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Anyway, hit me with this dilemma. Yeah, now that we sound like alcoholics, we'll, we'll teach you guys about <laughs> ethics. Look, I don't, I'm not trying to teach anyone here. I'm just having a discussion. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the the first one is, this one's probably pretty tired, and everyone's heard it before. And mm-hmm. um, honestly, I don't like it very much as as an ethics dilemma. Okay. You probably know it. It's the, the trolley problem. I actually have not heard of that. You don't know the trolley problem? Okay, so I feel like... I don't know I, it by name. Okay, I, I, I took an ethics class in high school. Mm-hmm. Maybe by choice? I don't really remember. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Ethically, had to, could it have been by choice? <laughs> yeah, it could have been by choice. I don't really remember. Um, but we talked about this a lot. And then also in um, my class in college, and then, um, I always see it. It's the first thing when you, get, when you like, look up for ethics dilemmas. The first okay. thing that pops up is the trolley problem. Mm-hmm. So I have, a, um, I have a copy of it here for um, uh, like a more clear um representation of it rather than me saying from memory mm-hmm. so imagine you're standing beside some train tracks in this instance um you spot a oh. runner a runaway trolley hurling down the tracks towards five workers who cannot mm-hmm. hear it coming and if they do spot it they won't be able to move out of the way in time as this disaster looms you glance down and see a lever connected to the tracks you realize that if you pull the lever the tram will be diverted down a second set of tracks away from five un- um up f- from the five unsuspecting workers. However, down the sidetrack is one lone worker, just as oblivious as his colleagues. So, would you pull, pull the lever, leading one to death, but saving the other five? Hmm. So, yeah, this is this is the classic meme where you're, <laughs> you have, like, the family and your mom on the other side, right? Yeah, in, in the um, traditional one, it's just workers. So, mm-hmm. um, I think... Uh, in in the most simple form, which is how we're representing it here, you don't um, factor in a lot of the uh, the things because I mean, if it's like killing the whole family or like killing one person, I think you're looking at a different ethics problem, right? Than this one because um, presumably they all have the same uh, like cultural or, or economic, I don't know, like value as a right. human being. But this unquote. one's more of the, this one's the idea of will you take the initiative to have one person die and save five lives, but you still have the choice of killing that one person, right? Right. So if you do mm. nothing, you're not really at fault because you didn't actively kill a person. Mm-hmm. But then are are you in a uh, like a sin of omission by right not doing it so that you killed an extra four? Right. Well, personally, so. Me being, I I would consider myself a Buddhist these days. Uh, the idea of like, uh, the universal, you know, happiness, universal well being, the idea of five lives over one. It's it's kind of the obvious choice for me to say, well, I I, I would feel so bad for the one guy, but 
one versus five, you know, obviously which side of the scale is going to be heavier? The five, right? So right. for me, yes, it's an easy choice. But I, I know for a lot of people, the idea of taking the initiative to have the one person to die is um, ethically wrong. Right. So uh, I think what we're getting at here is um, I, th- I think the, the traditional answer and the most common one is one of utilitarianism. Mm-hmm. which argues for uh you know saving the greatest amount of people or doing the the proper thing so that the um the cumulative amount of good yeah for the most people is uh is what the result um you know that's actually, facilitates that's actually an idea of david hume who i have two books from oh you got a lot more books than me <laughs> <laughs> i i have th- i have three philosophy books right now which is... i've been looking at picking up some more so maybe when you're done you should um you, we, I, you could mail them to me oh yeah you know what i i would be more than happy to send you two of them that'd be awesome yeah yeah i'm I'm down to read this the one that i read i'll tell everyone listening is uh plato and a platypus <laughs> walk into a bar which is understanding philosophy through jokes so you can see you can see how serious i am about this topic <laughs> oh yeah absolutely dead that's your, no jokes. This is a serious topic. Look, it's orange. It's got a, it's got a, a nice illustration on the cover. Orange is my favorite color, <laughs> and, it, and it said jokes, and it was like five dollars at at books a million before the pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, incredible! I love yeah. it. Yeah. So I have. I actually have the two books I have of David Hume are from when I uh, the very short amount of time I went to college. Uh, I took a summer course in philosophy, and I kept these two books. Um, then I have also have my uh, bigger book of philosophy with me, um, which I, I actually really thoroughly enjoy reading about it, whether or not I totally agree with all the philosophy ideas. I, I still enjoy the, um, you know, the thirst for knowledge, the, the looking into of um, ethics and, and ideas. Right. So. Yeah, I do, too. It's. um. I don't necessarily agree with a lot of stuff. I just really like to look into the uh, the study of, of the different thoughts. Mm-hmm. So, That's the fun thing about philosophy is there's never really an answer. <laughs> it's just a lot of discussion. Yeah. And that's that's the thing. Um, I alluded to it. I guess we can talk about it real quick. The yeah. um, uh, idea of philosophy being uh, like a science of a study. Mm-hmm. Um, my problem is, is that things that cannot be disproven are not science. I'm going to take a hard stance on that. Okay. It, it, like, if you can prove something, it's typically people presume that it's a type of science. Right. But if you can't disprove it, then it's not. You have to be able to do both. Right. And I don't know if that's an opinion or not, but it's a hard stance that I take. <laughs> you know, I... I can definitely agree with that. There is, uh, I feel like I had a a quote from somebody else that was pretty much that on the money, talking about how um, the idea of ethics is so far removed from scientific fact that we have to look at that as a whole different idea, a whole different study. Um, yeah, is, a whole different field of study. I, I agree. I guess why philosophy actually exists as a <laughs> different right. field of study. It's not like we're really delving into anything new here. Um, <laughs> but. So, um, uh, so, there's a ton of variations on the trolley problem. Mm-hmm. Okay, that that could change your answer mm. too. 
Um, the first one that comes to mind is another story where you are traveling um, in, you know, a far off jungle um, area as like a researcher. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you come across a group of uh, like militants who are enforcing the law of a dictator that's taken over an indigenous people. Um, so there are there are 20 people who are protesting the um, the, the dictatorship that has taken mm-hmm. over their land. And the, the, the militants that are there um, are going to kill all 20 protesters. Mm-hmm. You, as a guest on their land, are offered to kill one of the protesters to save the other 19 protesters' lives. So do you um, take the gun and kill one protester and get, you know, like literal blood on your hands to save the other 19? Or do you do nothing? I, you're taking a much more active role of killing someone. Uh-huh in the situation okay so it's the idea of taking the switch but there's something so much more personal about pulling the trigger of a gun rather than directing a trolley which is already on its way right Mm -hmm. it's kind of like pushing somebody off a bridge there's another one that's very similar to that yeah um again personally my my beliefs right is the idea of uh utilitarianism or you know the general like universal happiness of you know everybody that exists really um again i would weigh more lives over another um when it when it's such a gray area where they don't talk about like oh this one guy's about to cure cancer or anything like that right right um, if, it, if it really came down to that kind of black and white 19 versus one it's pretty obvious to me personally which one i would choose Wh- which would be to be a murderer uh, yeah, I would absolutely be a murderer. <laughs> oh no, I'm just I'm just messing with you. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like my my real problem with these is that they're so unrealistic, right? That I I don't ever think there's ever going to be just two options uh, to solve any one of these problems. Nor do I ever think I will find myself in a situation. Like <laughs> You're telling me you won't find yourself standing in front of twenty people and be told to kill one or nineteen of them with a gun. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Don't don't think that's gonna happen. <laughs> and if so, we are allowed to not comply with unlawful orders. <laughs> <laughs> that's the fun thing about philosophy is they come up with so many scenarios and like ideas that really can't be disproven or you know right. will never really exist. But it's like yeah, it's a fun thought. <laughs> so, which which moves me into one where uh, I, I want to put you in a scenario where you do have to make a decision. Okay. Okay, so um, here's one that I recently saw in a uh, TED-Ed video, which I don't know if you ever watched those, Um, but they're about these uh, five to to maybe 10, 12-minute animated um, videos by TED, the the talk um, thing where people, like, you know, prepare their little talks and everyone claps, and they're like, wow, yay, science. Um, Yeah. So the TED-Ed ones are animated shorts with a with a pretty great production value mm-hmm. um but one came out a couple weeks ago and uh per se you are the ceo of a um like a frozen burger company okay or some type of food right and uh y- your product has taken off and you are the most popular burger in in the world okay. for for people to buy and cook um but someone in let's say norfolk virginia where you're at Mm-hmm. Um, has 
uh, gone and injected poison into a certain number of uh, burgers in your city. Mm. Um, and this has resulted in a few deaths, let's say like three or four. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, uh, hypothetically, there was no way to tell which boxes had been tampered with and which burgers were, were deadly. Hmm. So, like, as the CEO, what do you do? So, really, the idea is: would I be risking lives, random lives of people, or and all of my money? Right, like, it's right. either either the lives of random people or me making a ton of money for being super successful. Right, that's kind of the uh, the weight of the options here. Right. So the um the the three groups of people that you're really looking at here is is the public. Mm-hmm. So public safety and then your employees. Um, so, I mean, you could lose a lot of money and have to lay off employees and then um, like you and your investors, mm-hmm. they could be losing a lot of money. So, you, the, you know, the, real, realistically, I would like to think that I'm a pious enough person to believe that <laughs> that I would think, you know, I want to save people's lives and I would not sell these burgers at, and damn my damn my money you know i want to save lives you know like right. i would i would like to think and say out loud that i'm that kind of person but realistically i don't know that that might be more closely related to uh me saying well i didn't poison those burgers <laughs> <laughs> right so the 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 three options that they um that they present are number one you do nothing mm-hmm. um which you know would probably tank your 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 company in the public eye right because you've risked a lot of public safety you might be able to keep most of your employees and your investors might lose some money but you know like the the loss to you is minimal hey chipotle's still around yeah chipotle. <laughs> it's true <laughs> um your option two was is to pull all the products and destroy them from the whole city mm. that these um you know murders are taking effect in and uh, the third option is to pull and destroy all products worldwide. Hmm. So, and um, for a little bit more context, um, in, in this uh, scenario, since you are not the one that has the defect, a, a recall is not required by law in the United States. Oh, gotcha. So you're actually not required to do anything. It's entirely up to me. Well, realistically, I would think, the most logical thing would be to deal with the uh, source problem, which is the city. And I think I could reasonably, uh, you know, weigh the consequences of may like the maybes, you know, I was like, I don't think it would affect the worldwide thing. Um, right. And that kind of, that, that kind of train of thought delves into the idea of uh, intention, intentional ethics versus like results of ethics. I, I think there's better terms for that. And I, I, I have them here in this book and I wish I could, quickly find them hang on give me a quick second yeah so while you're saying that i will say ah, so the idea of of pulling all the products from the city and getting rid of them mm-hmm. um if you're 100 percent sure that everything that all of these uh poisonous burgers are in your own city mm-hmm. um it's probably the right thing to do but can you right. ever be 100 percent sure that that um, that's where it's originating at, and it wasn't just the first batch of the poison ones got to Norfolk. Yeah, exactly. So this, I found the terms. There's a consequentialist and a deontologist. I, yes, I would okay. argue, 
I would argue more of a deontologist. Uh, consequentialist is somebody who would argue that whether or not the intentions were good or bad, the actual consequences of whatever decision you have made are what decides what is good or evil, um, while a deontologist is more of the intention behind the action. So, like I said, I'm more of a, I, I would argue I'm more of a deontologist. I intended to save as many lives as possible. I know that the uh, poison burgers happened in this city. I don't know about the worldwide idea. Um, so, if I happen to pull the burgers from the city and they there are more burgers worldwide that were also poisoned, it's still not unethical for me to have only made that decision because my intentions were to save as many people as possible while not you know, laying off workers and losing a bunch of money for people who have invested in my company. Uh, while a consequentialist would argue that because I did not save as many lives as possible, it was an evil act, whether whether or not my intentions were good. Interesting. So you're this. So you're more of the the middle road kind of thing. Oh yeah, absolutely. Is, and that's that's the Buddhist of me, <laughs> right? So, um, my my opinion on this would be to pull them worldwide. Mm-hmm. But that's only because I have some certain insider knowledge that I will let you in on now. Oh, okay. Uh, so now get this. Um, mm. So I'm, I'm picking up that you don't know this story yet. So in in 1982, in Chicago, a uh, a man was poisoning Tylenol with cyanide. Oh, I've heard of this story. And seven people died in the city of Chicago from the cyanide mm. in Tylenol. Um. So, like, this easily could have killed the, the company of Johnson & Johnson. Mm-hmm. Um, so now the CEO, guess what he did? What? He, he, he... pulled all the products across the world. Mm. Which, um, in today's money, they lost an estimated $250 million from, from this, this stunt. Damn. Um, so, the CEO of Johnson Johnson, arguably... Though a little bit different because he they have multiple other products, right? Um, but they sacrifice their investor money um, and maybe some employer layoffs for the public safety and regaining public trust. Mm-hmm. So, tons of experts said that this company was done; it's over. Mm-hmm. But uh, within a year of this incident happening, um, Tylenol actually rebounded and was more popular than before. So, you know, the ethics question itself, um, maybe, you know, a little bit different of an answer than when you look at actual, like, actually what happened. Right. When a similar instance happened. Arguably the exact same thing. It was just different. It wasn't some injection. It was cyanide in, you know, medicine. Right. It's a similar topic, but yeah, a little bit, a little bit different. Right. So they, he played the long game, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so i'm kind of i'm kind of in that camp i would go for 100 percent public safety because the people that give you money is the people who buy your product <laughs> so yeah okay i i mean i i would argue I, I i could see that point of view like i i wouldn't argue against saying better play the safe and not risk lives because that is so realistically valuable uh over money right it's right it's kind of cruel to say, oh, yeah, their lives, they don't matter because I care about those people's money more than anything. Um, Which, I mean, 50% of where I'm coming from at that point. <laughs> right. Was that so, your your long-term game, especially in a company like Johnson Johnson, mm-hmm. um, your long-term game is to still make money. 
right when you have such a like an empire like they do (laughs) probably not that big of a deal (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah like not to shrug off 250 million dollars though oh geez i i could do a lot with 250 million dollars you kidding me (laughs) yeah it's probably more than i'll ever see yeah no kidding (laughs) um yeah no that's uh definitely an interesting thought um that i don't i don't feel like i would be comfortable giving any answer to you know what i mean yeah that's the hard part is it's really easy to just shrug off any type of uh like any answer for ethics questions right like obviously obviously it's kind of like giving a test answer you're like oh yeah they want to hear the best one they want to hear me saying i i would do the most pious and the most gifted uh thing for humanity but in all reality when you're really faced with that kind of issue and i think a lot of people face this pretty frequently it's when they're when they're really faced with these issues they think oh, i don't know i i i have a lot to consider for this so yeah i, I agree so yeah it's, it's way easier just to not actually answer these questions which i'm very guilty of <laughs> right especially when when i read anything about philosophy or look it up just you know not take a stance <laughs> you're like yeah that is really interesting and just stand off to the the switzerland side of things yeah i i very much enjoy being switzerland <laughs> it's a lot less stressful <laughs> oh yeah i don't want to make a decision <laughs> yeah um yeah it's ethics are truly a interesting idea because really who's to say and this is kind of bringing back the idea of the indian tribe versus the greeks who's to say one thing is more evil than the other. Yeah, I agree. And there's actually another quote. This is the second, the only other quote I really had prepared uh, from Bertrand Russell in 1960. He said, I cannot see how to refute the arguments for the subjectivity of ethical values, but I find myself incapable of believing that all that is wrong with wanton cruelty is that I don't like it. And that's, that's fair. <laughs> I, I really enjoy that quote because that's kind of the idea of uh, the golden rule, which I'm sure everybody's familiar with is treat others how you want to be treated or do unto others as you want done unto you, um, as it's really quoted. But really, the idea of, from what I've seen, from what I view in my perspective, the idea of ethics and good versus evil is more of uh what one person would like to see happen versus another right so i feel like the the study of ethics becomes important at that point because then you almost have to pick your your theoretical side of Hmm. um are you going to go for selfishness or you know the 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 greater good yeah that that's kind of what i've seen at least in our culture you know our the 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 american culture the that we experience um it's really selfish versus selfless as good versus evil. Um, and it, it, it it's really curious to me to see that that's kind of the idea of what makes a good man is somebody who gives to others. What like I would like to see somebody give to me, you know, right. that, that it's like, oh, that's a good person because he gave me five dollars. <laughs> yeah. Which this kind of this kind of drives me into um, my last scenario. OK. Which I figure. um I thought we'd blow through these pretty fast, <laughs> to be honest. But so this this last scenario is a is a little bit more complex and uh, definitely something um, that I would like to to have a, some sort of hard stance on. Okay. Um, 
but the uh, the ethical decisions of self-driving cars. Sorry. What was that? No, oh, my phone just uh, started ringing to my mom. Oh no! <laughs> do that. Do hey, that mom. Again. <laughs> yeah. So the ethical um, decisions of self-driving cars. Okay. So, um, in in this first scenario that we'll talk about, mm-hmm. um, basically, if you're in a self-driving car and an incident happens around you, the car is programmed to respond to that. Mm-hmm. Um, in in this certain scenario, which like like most scenarios in ethics is is you know a little embellished and uh, um, and unrealistic. Classic philosophy, right? Um, but it does drive the point home that there are going to be real decisions made by people, like predetermined in the future about what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. So per se, you're in a self driving car in the middle lane, uh, going down the highway. Mm-hmm. Um, in front of you is a truck carrying like heavy crates. To your left is an SUV, and to your right is a motorcycle. Mm-hmm. So the the crates on the truck fall off towards your vehicle. Right. The vehicle is not able to stop in time. Um, so if it plows into the boxes, you are most likely dead. Um, you could swerve left into the SUV um, and, and, and crash into it, or you could swerve right into the motorcycle, which would probably cause you the least amount of harm. Mm-hmm. So what's the proper option to program a self-driving car to do? Mm. I first want to say, and this is probably really off topic, uh, I love the ideas of self-driving cars because I, I, oh, that's going to be basically teleporting. You kidding me? We can wake up one morning and I'm like, I get ready for work. And then I get my self-driving car and I fall asleep. Then I wake up and I'm at work. That's incredible. <laughs> I want that so badly for our future. But would be pretty uh, awesome. Yeah, right. Uh, back to the ethics idea. Um, I personally, like again, this is the idea of uh, saying without being in the actual situation firsthand, the most, I guess the best thing for, um, like, the answer would just be to allow, if there's no give, you know, be the sacrifice, be the martyr that needs to to be there. Um, but, of course, I'm not in the car, you know, I'm not making right. the decision, so uh, actively at that time, I think if I were in that car and I I had to make a quick snap decision, I'd probably swerve into the SUV because I would imagine in that quick idea that that would be the best case scenario for everybody involved. Despite how many people might be in that SUV, they would probably all make it, including myself. Uh, But realistically, I think the best thing if I was programming a car would be to have that car be the sacrifice. Yeah, I would agree. Um, I don't know. I luckily I'm not a self-driving car programmer. <laughs> Thank God I don't have to make that ethical yeah. decision realistically. <laughs> yeah, or or uh, I could, this could be decided by programmers or policymakers or um or anything. But I I think one of the major problems here is that if um you know you're programming a car that you are then going to sell to the public that its default in this situation would be to sacrifice you. Mm. It's not going to sell. 
Well, that's the other thing is if you were programming the car, you'd have to argue how many people are in your car versus an SUV or a motorcycle. Because again, for me, pers- again, for me, and this, is, this is my ideas personally. It's if you're looking at the uh, the scale of the universal like well-being universal happiness or universal wealth the motorcycle will always be the one person while right. the car you're driving could be more than one person and the van next to you could be you know a family right so the motorcycle right. would be the most logical choice for me to say well if it had to be anybody it would be the one person right but so you're almost guaranteeing to kill the motorcycle at this point. exactly so as as a person who who rides a motorcycle and you do too <sighs> Yeah, <laughs> Av- avid motorcyclist. <laughs> love my bike. I, f- I love her. <laughs> Not a big fan of this decision, but also to that point, I would never be driving along um, the highway just, you know, sitting next to another car. Oh, I never pace a car on the highway. Yeah, never ever. Uh, I always and and even at that point, um, if you're on a three lane highway and and the motorcycle's there. As a motorcyclist, I would be ready to pull off to the right-hand side as an escape route. Right. If anything like that happened. Like, if I saw boxes fall, I would just get off the road. <laughs> <laughs> so so you're telling me you would choose the motorcycle because he's making poor decisions either way. <laughs> okay, so uh, not necessarily, um, but let's drop in into uh second scenario of the okay. same thing. Now, replace the SUV on the left with another motorcyclist. Okay. Now, per se, you're the guy on the left-hand side riding a motorcycle is not wearing a helmet, and the guy on the right side is. Oh. So you're. Uh, we'll take away the option of plowing to the boxes. Okay. Which motorcyclist are you crashing into? Oh, you know I'm an at-get man. All the gear, all the time. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> uh, I hate seeing people out there with no gear on. It it really it, it hurts me. <laughs> yeah, I mean. Okay, so personally, my belief on somebody who chooses not to wear any sort of protective equipment on the motorcycle is they, and I don't want to offend anybody, but this is the way I see it because this is this is like my personal uh, ideas. Um, somebody who chooses not to wear any sort of protective equipment is more concerned with how people view them than, you know, surviving any, any sort of uh, happenstance, anything that could happen on the road. Okay, so I'm ready to disagree with you on that one because I oh. am ready to to totally offend and shame people who do not wear motorcycle gear. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> it is insane to me mm-hmm. that I like I almost guarantee all these people own motorcycle gear. Yeah, because you have to wear it to to even uh, you know get the license. And they probably borrow it from somebody. That's what I would do if I was uh, I mean, that kind of person. <laughs> yeah, if you're that kind of person. So at at the same time, so you're looking at at two decisions not saying not necessarily saying either of them would die but if you crash into the one with the helmet they have a higher chance of survival than the one without the helmet right um so do you do you program it to punish the person who's doing the right thing and wearing all their gear i would say no uh if if you're looking at it in more of a lawful sense right you know some states you don't have to wear a helmet but (laughs) i don't know that feels that feels evil you know what I mean? You have a law that some sort of Congress had created saying you must wear helmets when riding a motorcycle. And then you also program cars to kill people <laughs> in choices <laughs> that don't wear helmets. That feels kind of uh, 
evil villain-esque. <laughs> I mean, it would encourage people to wear helmets. That's true, saying, like, program... <laughs> like, our <laughs> programs are out to kill you, literally out to kill you. Yeah, literally out to kill you. So, But also, reasonably, I would kind of... I would feel inclined to choose that one. I would inclined to, I would be inclined to choose somebody who wasn't wearing a helmet and be like, I'm sorry, you were not obeying the law. And if I were to choose between somebody who uh, decided to be part of our civilization, our ideas and beliefs, or somebody who wanted to be a rebel, you know, fight the system more or less. Right. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love I love rebels. I like I like people who fight <laughs> against like you know what I mean. Like especially with the, today's day and age, with uh, everything that we've been going on this year, uh, this fucking year. Um, there you no. go again. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, like I said, three beers in. <laughs> um, hey, blame it on the alcohol, baby. Um, you know, I, I definitely respect people who who see the the need to fight against that kind of idea. But this is also like such a trivial matter. You know, wearing a helmet, <laughs> wearing a helmet on a motorcycle is such an easy thing to do. But I don't want to mess up my hair and look uncool <laughs> by wearing a helmet. But I want to wear a bandana. <laughs> Yeah, bandana is so much cooler. I'm just kidding. They're not. <laughs> my helmet's coolest. <laughs> oh, I love my helmet. I absolutely yeah. love it. And the fact that it like it blocks bugs and rocks and the other things that are going to hit my face. I absolutely love wearing a helmet. Oh, yeah, for sure. It's, yeah, helmets 100% wear them. So, you know, it, given this option, crashing the guy without the helmet because he's an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> but are, is is that because we are opinionated towards wearing or not wearing a helmet or is that really the right decision for society yeah that's a really good question because since we are both avid motorcyclists then is it uh, a bias that we have towards people that already don't wear helmets right (laughs) that they would be the one to sacrifice (laughs) (laughs) maybe maybe we uh the two of us wouldn't be able to answer the question without (laughs) you know a good bias yeah I, I would agree that we're we're definitely kind of biased on that one and then we could even go into this uh if we add the box back in um mm. that you pop into the boxes you'll probably die right um it, does the it, car take into account the value of each of those people's lives <laughs> yeah i mean that's that's kind of like i'm trying to think of a good movie in reference for that what's, what's that movie with um that guy who's a Scientologist, Tom Cruise. Uh, <laughs> the movie with Tom Cruise where you can like see everybody's futures and all that. You like, talking about Minority Report? <laughs> I think I'm pretty sure Minority Report. Yeah, I love Minority Report. <laughs> right? Um, is it gonna be like that kind of idea? It's like, oh, he's gonna become a bad person, so take him out now, kind of idea. Or exactly? Do we have cars that that now collect? They they analyze the information about people that we have collected via the internet and and oh no, that's the, the NSA. <laughs> That's some real black mirror ideals, you know, <laughs> like, yeah, like but I China. mean, this is the future that we are facing. <laughs> I mean, realistically, kind of, we are becoming, it, it's the information age, realistically, Every, yeah. everyone's becoming data more than uh, human when it comes to bureaucracy and oh, yeah. internet and not everything. And we're, we're quickly moving towards just a pure society based on that. You know, it, the black mirror had that episode where everyone's value was with their like credit score and right you you could rate people based on your interactions with them right that was oh god that was scary but also probably (laughs) not that far off dun 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 Um, i know (laughs) scary but you know like what would it be unethical to program your car to uh 
also encounter those kind of values. I think it would personally. Um, to violate somebody's personal information? Not to violate somebody's personal information, but to account in such a black and white manner saying your um, your value is worth less because this one other person said so. Right. So here's here's my argument for this one. Okay. My argument is that we take ethics out of it. Oh, but that's you, the topic. <laughs> oh, yeah, I know. So we're, we're going to flip it on its head here. Oh, no. My argument in this decision, you have three different things that are going to happen. Okay. Right? In, in, in a situation, you have three different things. Or, well, we can either even boil it down to just boxes are falling in front of you. You're going to swerve left or right. Okay. What if it doesn't take into account what what's there? What if it just randomly selects a number which says left or right? So you're saying the the left or right is just a randomly selected number. It doesn't matter who's on the left or right. It doesn't matter if it's a motorcycle or a van. It's just going to say, I'm going to swerve from these boxes to save the car. In right. The so it either, like, it would see that there are two objects that it, that it could um, swerve into. So instead of defaulting to the one that no accident happens, it mm-hmm. randomly selects a direction. Hmm. That's that's where I'm sitting at. You've you've taken it out of the equation because what is the difference between that and your knee jerk reaction when boxes are falling in front of you driving a car, you know, manually? I mean, that's fair. I I would like I would like to think that I'm observant enough to say while I'm driving, oh my left side's clear, you know, but my right side has a car. Oh oh, sh- boxes are falling in front of me. Left, right, you know. I'd like to think right. that. I'm observant enough and aware enough to my situation that I could make that decision. Uh, but I understand that not only is not only am I not always that observant, you know, sometimes I'm tired or whatever. Uh, not everybody is that observant. So right. obviously that decision doesn't always come so intuitively. Um, so it'd be nice to have a, an automated system that could say what decision to make. Um, but if it was faced between like, there's three objects, one in front of you and one on either side. The car's got to make a decision left or right. Should it be randomized? I I kind of enjoy that for the time being. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, definitely auto- automatic cars aren't really uh, a solid thing yet anyway. So there's always that kind of fear of programming and what could happen. Yeah. So, I mean, this is, this is a, a real a real issue that's on the table very shortly that it will need a decision now. That's true. That's really and, true. I think with um, integrating self-driving cars with manual op- manually operated vehicles, mm-hmm. the the most logical choice, and maybe even the most ethical choice, would actually be to program randomness into it. Uh, currently, I would have to argue because I I don't see us having <laughs> a car that could reasonably discern between a motorcyclist wearing a helmet and a motorcyclist not wearing a helmet. Um, well, yeah, or... at the moment, but if we're back to the car versus the motorcycle. Oh, right. Yeah, that's that's very true. Um, but again, how would it be able to decide if the car has a family inside of it rather than the motorcycle being by himself? Well, if they're both manually operated and there's no, you know, AI on it or anything, you wouldn't be able to. Exactly. So So in that decision, probably if it was me, I'd probably go towards the the, the, the SUV. <laughs> yeah, I mean but if you think if I if I was thinking about it, it's like, oh the SUV has, you know, a mom driving it with three children like small children in the back 
I would like to think that the best decision would be to take out the motorcyclist. Um, because who's, who's to say what would happen to those kids in the back? Or if the so mom I, made a poor decision and had, you know, a five-year-old in the front seat, because that's the most dangerous seat in a car. Oh, yeah. That's, uh, that would be very bad. <laughs> yeah. But that's the thing. I mean, if it was also a, um, a self-driving car, then you probably would not even be in that situation. That's true. That's the future I could hope for. Like I said, I just wanna I just wanna wake up in the morning and fall asleep and mm-hmm. be at work. That's like teleporting. Right. So th- that's the that's the last self driving car thing that that we all kind of get to where it accumulates is that when you have enough self driving cars, do we ban mm-hmm. everyone from driving manually? I know some people would really hate that. You know, a lot of people really love their cars, love their. I would hate you know. that. <laughs> I know you would. Yeah, and I would. I would really miss having a motorcycle, but like I said, I I think the benefits coming from having a vehicle that will automatically take you safely to any place. You could you could take a road trip from South Carolina to New York and the entire time be spending time in the back seat in luxury, doing whatever you wanted. I mean, peacefully. if I had a uh uh, a self-driving like rv i don't know if i'd ever in a house <laughs> <laughs> exactly you know? I mean, the, the possibilities with that future legitimately excite me i i like i said i know i would really really miss the motorcycle if that had to become a future but i i love the idea of that i think the possibility is so monumentous yeah and i think at that point if we ban self-driving cars from the roads then or sorry if we drive manual um mm-hmm we ban the manual driving cars, then uh, I w- I'd probably default to um, having like a track vehicle. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. A track that's motorcycle. Yeah. I- I'm sure there would be some very lucrative businesses that pop up in, in oh, that entire vein. You know somebody would buy out like huge amounts of streets just for be a- people to be able to manually drive cars again. Oh, yeah. So hey, maybe uh, you know investment futures that we we invest in uh, you know, oh. race tracks and uh, the asphalt business. <laughs> you know what? Let's buy it now. Let's buy fake cities that we can uh, rent them out for people who do <laughs> to bring their their manual cars to. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we could just we could just build a racetrack. You know what? Yeah, that's a great idea. Let's build yeah. a racetrack together. Sounds great. We could do a dirt track. It'd be really cheap, and then you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let me take my 1800 cruiser on a dirt track i would love that <laughs> it would be kind of fun i've taken my uh my bike off-road on on a couple occasions maybe not necessarily on purpose just kind of like it was there yeah <laughs> let's see if we can do this and it was it was pretty fun <laughs> i've done that on my on my my sport bike uh that thing was definitely much lighter this motorcycle i have now is 700 pounds dry <laughs> this thing starts to lean over oh, there's God. no saving it. it is going on the ground <laughs> You better start doing some leg presses, bud. If you if it starts to tip, you just I don't press it I don't, back up. I don't even know if I can lift it if it falls over. Are you kidding me? Oh no. You're gonna have to you're gonna have to look up the uh uh the back squat way of yeah. lifting the the, the, the bike. Oh definitely. <laughs> so, I'm I'm gonna stay off the dirt roads with this one, man. I might buy a, a dirt bike soon. Probably not soon, but eventually. You can get like an life. adventure bike like a like a dirt cross or yeah, you know, a little a little Honda 250, you know. Yeah, that'd be a lot of fun. As long as some self-driving car doesn't decide to uh, crash into you. <laughs> you know what? If society decides to program that my life is worth less because I'm on a motorcycle, I, I'm i just going to have to accept that. <laughs> you just, you just get to keep riding motorcycles anyways? I Yeah, it's it's my decision, you know. I've, I've already accepted the fact that some people won't even 
give me a second thought because I'm on a motorcycle. So, yeah, that's, I mean that's fair. I already feel that way, anyways. Yeah, definitely. That's why you get so, a ride aggressive. <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. I don't know. I do feel like around here on on the motorcycle, people people give me a lot of space. That's good. That's Maybe it's because good. they don't want to hear my exhaust. <laughs> <laughs> I. <laughs> I heard that you had changed your exhaust. Uh, since I have seen your motorcycle, and it is much, much louder. It's so loud. Oh, man. I, Yours is loud, too, though. <laughs> dude, I legitimately need to ride with earplugs. <laughs> Otherwise, I have hearing damage. Yeah, me me too. But no, no earplugs are, like, that comfortable. I I use the Navy. I mean, I mean, I definitely don't use the Navy earplugs. <laughs> the same style as the Navy earplugs. Those, like, foam, full foam ones. They go oh, pretty yeah. well on the helmet. You don't use like the the, the three tiered one. No, no, the uh, those those foam ones are like mostly orange, a little bit of green. Those oh yeah, good. yeah, not the ones on the string. Yeah, <laughs> but so it, anyways, we'll probably continue this after uh, conversation afterwards. But uh, <laughs> if anyone would like to, you know, give us some input on on our Twitter mm-hmm. at promotional cast, the promotional cast. Yeah, if you're less wishy washy than us, and and. <laughs> Would yeah. like to make a hard stance. <laughs> I'm definitely uh, easily swayed. If you told me that the five people on the uh, the Charlie track really deserved it, I'd probably just let it happen. <laughs> they had it coming. <laughs> All those people have murdered 12 people apiece in the past. You know, you know what? All right. Well, you know. <laughs> Charlie's on his way. Fine. Yeah. <laughs> I just uh, won't touch this lever. <laughs> I, I, really, I really enjoyed this conversation. I... I think philosophy is such an interesting topic that uh, never, ever reaches an end. <laughs> it's true. There's there's no real solution here. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why the self-driving car one is so interesting, because there has to be a solution. Right. I don't think there's a way of not having a solution here. I, I think... So I think my cop-out s- answer of randomness is a little... Uh, yeah. <laughs> I think the solution, I mean, honestly, will come in time. We'll see. I think we'll see a legislative uh, uh, decision on it. Yeah. Um, rather than a uh, like a programmer moral decision. Oh yeah. <laughs> but anyways, thanks for everyone on joining us or for joining us. I don't know what what I'm saying anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it's the late late time of seven p.m. Oh, with <laughs> our our dark and stormy noir <laughs> podcast. <laughs> oh yes, welcome. I hope these uh, uh, thunder sounds. I think I've gone away recently. Are uh, are soothing you? Because I know our conversation's not. <laughs> I was smoking a cigarette, and I saw the light pouring in through the blinds. <laughs> a young woman in a dress walks in. <laughs> you can tell her husband was recently murdered by the way that she was. <laughs> I knew I just had to take this case. <laughs> anyway, man, uh, I just want to say, hey, bro, I love you. <laughs> love you too, bro. <laughs> All right, thanks, everyone. We'll, we'll catch you next week. Mm-hmm.